Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Alex Brashears. Thanks for being on the show, Alex. Thank you for having me. Yeah, honored to have you on. I think we met a long time ago. I can't remember exactly where, but we met. It's interesting, you know, how we we meet people in this business and, you know, our paths cross again. And so it's great to have her on the show. But a little about her, she's a private lender, passive investor, reggae plus fund investor, relations manager, and community builder. She hosts daily discussions, weekly educational events, and monthly networking events in her Facebook group, Private Lending Lessons, that aims to teach people about private lending and other forms of passive investing, which we're all interested in passive investing. That's for sure. I know all our investors are, man, how do I do that? How do I do it the best? How do I you know, minimize risk? How do I get the most gains? all those things, right? So Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Give us a little about this, you know, your passion now to help other, other passive investors and how you're doing that and, and, and how you're helping educate them as well. Absolutely. So it kind of became a merge of two different worlds and it was just a perfect storm with COVID. So I'm a military spouse, which means I'm sitting in my 19th address in 20 years. So geographical freedom was kind of always forced upon us. You know, you know we had some entity in our life that was going to give us two weeks forewarning, you're moving across the country. So building a traditional career, as you might imagine, was not really possible. My graduate education is in organic chemistry. So I'm a chemistry professor, my normal kind of W-2 job. So that is obviously not very transferable if you're moving to places like Kodiak, Alaska, where there isn't a community college even on the island. So that kind of led me on a hunt to what can I do to still be empowered financially? Because the military actually calls us dependents, which I thoroughly hate. So I wanted to have something where I was contributing to the household financially. It was keeping me mentally occupied. And then when COVID hit, you know, it, it shut the world down. A lot of the hard money lenders just shut their doors. They said, we're going to take a beat. We're going to figure out where the economy's going. And just again, like you mentioned, networking a little bit earlier, I was in a virtual breakout room with some people in a networking event. And somebody mentions that they were going to miss out on a deal here in Hampton Roads because their hard money lender, you know, was closing their doors and said, you know, you're going to have to find somewhere else to go. And it just literally worked out that he was the type of borrower I would want to work with, that he was, it had the property that I would want to lend on. It was a minor rehab, you know, as far as rehabs go. So we could be in and out of it pretty quickly. And I told him, I was like, you know what, if you can give me two weeks to get all the paperwork at a bank account, get everything kind of established, I was like, I'll fund the loan. I'll do the loan. You know, I, I was looking for something that would allow me to still kind of follow my spouse around the world, you know, should that be needed, but still invest in real estate. Interesting. You saw an opportunity there, right? And you wanted to figure out a way that you could capitalize on it and help this other person also. Tell me about, you know, hard money lending versus just investing in a syndication. Why one or the other or why both or how did you make that decision? It actually kind of came about, honestly, kind of by accident. I used to work for a hard money lender way back when, about 20 years ago. 
back when you had to like physically meet the borrowers out at the property and they were physically filling out a 1003 and walking the property to see the scope of work. You know, Google Streets wasn't a thing back then. So I kind of got to see the, you know, property purchasing investing process from the other side of the table where most people kind of come into real estate investing, you know, buying their first rental or, you know, doing their first fix and flip. I actually came in on the other side doing the funding for those properties. So I kind of knew you know, that we had a couple rentals, we'd done a couple fix and flips, we did not enjoy it. We just, that just didn't suit our skill set. It didn't suit our lifestyle. And I knew at some point when we went back into investing in real estate, that lending was the side of the table I wanted to be on. Like you mentioned with syndication, you're on the debt side, you're not on the equity side. So you're not getting any of those wonderful tax benefits if you happen to be a high income earner that you do get traditionally in syndication, you know, if your operator's doing, you know, cost segregation, bonus depreciation, all those things. So we actually kind of marry the two. So we do private lending to be on the debt side, and then we do invest in syndication as an LP for kind of the equity play in it. Nice. Would you just give us a 30-second example of like a hard money hard money lending, like what that is, in case the listener's not familiar with that term? So there's two different things. So there's private money lending, which means that the individual has direct control over the funds, whether it's their money, money from friends and family, money they've managed to pull together, whatever it is. And then hard money traditionally is they are brokering out funds or they have some sort of restrictions on the funds, whether it's a warehouse line of credit from a hedge fund in New York, they're doing white label funding for another company. So they kind of, it sounds like a minor difference, but what it really boils down to is the level of flexibility. So in private lending, when you're an investor talking to a private lender, you're talking to the processor, the underwriter, you're talking to the decision maker because it's our money that we are putting forth, you know, for the closing. When you're talking to a hard money lender, you know, they have the, they have to check all these boxes. You know, you have to have above a 680 credit score, can't go over 65 LTV, don't allow second liens. You know, there's all these parameters because they are in essence borrowing money underneath that framework saying, this is how I will do loans in the future. So that's kind of the big difference between private money and hard money. The passive investors that are listening right now, should they consider you know hard money lending? I would say if they felt it fits their parameters and their goals. So just like every other style of investing, you know, it's got its pros and its cons. It tends to be very front end heavy. So you're going to spend, you know, a couple hours kind of doing due diligence on the borrower, maybe going driving by the property if you're local, depending on your risk tolerance, you might not care. But the big thing is really getting an attorney involved very early to have your documents drawn up. You need to make sure you're staying within usury laws. And then once that's kind of done, a lot of private lenders that I personally know tend to work with the same investors over and over and over again. So over time, the business model tends to be a lot more set it and forget it. But the very beginning is going to be a lot of learning. It's going to be like drinking from a fire hose. It's going to be a lot of learning and just getting out there, networking with people, you know, trusting your borrowers, doing some background on your borrowers, and then, you know, waiting for your monthly interest only payment to come in if that's what you're doing. So is the attorney there one of the first steps you're going to take to be able to do something like this? You know, building that relationship, obviously ensuring you're doing this legally, but then obviously finding that, I guess in a lot of cases, you're going to find that potential borrower, you know, when you're first getting started, maybe that's going to pull you into that side of the business, you know, because you find somebody that maybe you can partner with and you have the capital to be that hard money lender. And then you got to figure out how to do that legally. But is that attorney going to be usually the first person on your team that you're going to find to make this 
this happen? I would say so. If not, if you're going to lend out of like a retirement account, for example, you know, whoever your custodian is for your IRA, for example, having a conversation with them on what that process is, because it can sometimes be two, three, four weeks to get access to that retirement fund. So you need to make sure that the timeline for whatever borrower you want to do, if they need to close in a week and you're using IRA funds, there's a chance that's not going to happen. What about some of the risks for hard money lending versus, you know, passive in a syndication? It's going to be, everybody kind of automatically thinks about default. You know, they are going to say, okay, you know what? If the borrower stops paying, it's really easy to say, oh, I'll just take back the property. Well, depending on the state that you're in, if it's a judicial foreclosure, you know, it could take literally years. You know, there's different things that a potential borrower could do to really slow down getting custody back of that property. So it's not really kind of as easy as snap your fingers and, oh, I can have, you know, property back. So that's why I would say having a conversation with an attorney early on to know what the foreclosure process is, you know, how long is it? What can you do to mitigate that risk? That would be, I say, the biggest kind of downside. It could take a while to get custody back of the property if the borrower defaults. Another one I would say is just kind of slow payment or maybe just kind of an argumentative borrower. Like, I don't do this because I want to babysit more people in my life. You know, I don't have children because I don't want to babysit other humans. So if you end up having a borrower that you have to chase down every month, you know, hey, your your payment's due, you know, what's going on, you know, not returning your phone calls, not giving you updates about renovations, that can kind of wear on your nerves pretty quickly if that's if the expectations for communication are not being met. What about the level of returns? Like why would someone choose this and have to do all that legwork up front? And they're going to, I mean, I hope most passive investors are doing some legwork anyway, even investing in syndication, right? You know, you you need to understand who that operator is and the deal, the market, all those things, of course. But what about the returns? What should their expectation be for hard money lending versus a syndication? I would say traditionally a first lien position is going to be anywhere between eight and maybe 12% annualized return. If you're going to charge any sort of origination points, you know, I've seen everything from zero to five, honestly, for origination points. If you choose to lend in the second lien position, you know, that can obviously go anywhere from, I'd say, 12% up to, I've seen 30% annualized for a second lien position. So obviously, that's, in my opinion, significantly more risk. So hence why you're getting, you know, that higher return versus syndication, you know, you kind of know what the returns are, are projected to be upfront. You know, you are pooling your assets with a bunch of other investors. It's a large commercial property. Like for example, I only lend on fix and flip, single family six fix and flips in Hampton Roads. So, you know, if there's something that goes wrong with that one project, you know, you're hundred percent in the wrong versus doing something in a syndication where if it's got a hundred units in that property and, you know, two or three units are having a slow turn because of supply chain issues with COVID, you still have 98 others that are producing. Yeah, that's a good thing to think through right there. So Alex, what about, how do you know how much, say, a percentage of your uh, investing capability or, you know, your net worth do you want in, you know, in hard money versus syndication or a fund, you know, like we talked about, or do you have any thoughts around that? I, I get that question sometimes, you know, it's like, well, Whitney, well, how much of my net worth should I be investing in your deals? How do you answer that? For me, it really comes down again to lifestyle. What are you comfortable with? So me personally with my spouse, we want to have six months of expenses kind of tucked away in something liquid, you know, whether it's CDs, just a bank account, like we understand inflation's eating it, but for us to be able to sleep well at night, that's kind of our minimum we want to have. 
for any of our properties, we also want to have six months of a payment kind of set aside in addition to, and that will kind of cover, you know, the furnace goes out, it needs a new roof, the plumbing's leaking, anything like that. So I generally start with reserves. And once those reserves are met, then we can kind of discuss, okay, from here, where do we want to invest? Because we do not invest the reserves. That's purely for us to be able to sleep at night. So I would say it really boils down to your risk tolerance and what your goals are. We are cash flow investors, obviously, since we are investing in syndications and, and private lending. So we are always looking at, you know, what's our potential monthly return going to be? What's what's our cash flow look like on a monthly basis? What other questions are you receiving right now from passive investors? Do you see that are commonly asked right now in our current state of the market? They don't even know it exists, honestly, because I feel like when people get interested in investing in real estate or they say, I'm going to invest in real estate, they only go to one of two things, that they're going to be a fix and flip or they're going to be a landlord. And I call it real estate hazing. You know, you kind of have to go through one of those two avenues. And then once you're, you've done that, like another door opens up to all these other possibilities like syndication, like private lending, So I'd really like to see private lending kind of move more to the forefront as what I call an active way to invest passively, because I believe that really opens the opportunity for active investors that are doing this full time. It allows them, you know, more flexible capital, easier access to potentially cheaper capital. And it also allows, I believe, more women to get involved in real estate, because especially now with COVID, you know, we're juggling households and we sometimes have kids doing Zoom classes in different parts of the house. They might also be working from home or, you know, commuting, whatever it happens to be. So the last thing a lot of women want right now is one more tornado in the storm. So if you go and tell them, oh, you can be a real estate investor, you know, they're not going to have time to go and put bandit signs out by the side of the road and say, you know, hey, I'll talk to this distressed seller when they call me at two o'clock in the morning because they just opened their mail and saw a foreclosure notice. You know, that's not going to be attractive to a lot of women investors. Whereas I think the idea of passively investing, being able to kind of do some due diligence on their time schedule and kind of arrange all those details really speaks to women more. What would you have done differently, say, you know, years ago when you first started learning about hard money lending or passive investing? Are there ways you would have invested differently or more one way or the other? I probably never would have owned a single family home as a rental, guaranteed. (laughs) That is just not my skill set. Did not enjoy the experience at all. I probably would not have done a fix and flip because I don't like babysitting contractors. I'm not a decorator. You know, I'm from New Orleans. Everything in my world is purple, green, and gold. So if you let me decorate something, that's what it's going to end up is purple, green, and gold. So it was physically painful to put beige tile in this house in every bathroom. I was like, oh, this is so bad. So I know for a fact, if I could go back and do it again, I would not do those two options. I would do something Mm. like syndication and private lending combined because those suit my skills and my interests much more. When thinking through being a hard money lender or investing in a syndication, like how do you prepare for a downturn? I'm one of those people that will kind of prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So when I'm doing private lending, for example, you know, I'm looking at their after repair value. You know, obviously we don't have a crystal ball. We can't see what's going on. So I kind of tweak the business model where I'm only doing what I kind of consider minor rehabs because a lot of investors are struggling with timelines for supply chains, waiting on windows, appliances, you know, various things for the property just because of COVID and manufacturing being shut down. So I'm generally only into a loan for about three to four months. And I feel like since real estate's a fairly illiquid asset, 
you're not going to have a massive seismic shift, you know, up or down generally in that three or four month time frame. So I'm comfortable doing something like 70% after repair value, because especially here in Hampton Roads, as soon as something hits MLS, it's got multiple offers, you know, usually above asking, you know, from multiple different buyers. So, you know, inventory so low that it's pretty much guaranteed to sell. Nice. What about, you know, just any predictions for the next six to 12 months in the real estate market? I would say for here specifically for Hampton Roads, we have actually fared during COVID very well because we have such a large federal employment base. We have the military here, all the contractors that are supporting the military supplies that are, you know, supporting the contractors. So we've actually done really well. I see employment just getting stronger as businesses start opening back up, you know, those contracts start flowing again. So I'm really seeing some very strong growth for the next six to 12 months here in Hampton Roads. It's encouraging. No, that's good. It shows knowing who your tenants are, right? Knowing your market and who lives there is important. Alex, what about any daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? I have a paper planner. You know, I love technology to a certain degree, but I really need my paper planner. And I will sit down at the end of the day and kind of plan out my next day. So when I get up in the morning, you know, kind of groggy and and just, oh, what do I need to get do, get done today? I know I can just literally sit down and read this piece of paper and go, here's my top three priorities. Here's when I'm doing them. Here's phone calls I need to make. I'll literally write out the name, number, and then a little note on what we're supposed to talk about. So literally, it's just kind of autopilot throughout the day. So if something pops up that's unexpected, I can go, oh, well, I have, I have the mental bandwidth to deal with this because I'm not trying to remember 12 other things I need to get done that day. Great idea. It doesn't have to be electronic, right? It doesn't have to be anything fancy. But what about your best source for meeting new investors right now? I'm going to say, honestly, it's going to be the Facebook group, Private Lending Lessons, because we have like daily discussions, you know, where you can interact with other people. We have weekly educational events where, you know, we can chit chat with other people after the event. It's just been an absolutely amazing opportunity in the last, it's a very new group. It's only about eight months old, but it's just shy of 3000 people right now. So, I mean, it's been just an absolutely phenomenal growth and it's all been organic. You know, I'm not advertising out there, just going out and offering something for people of value. Because like I mentioned, there's not a lot out there about private lending. There's some books, you know, out on Amazon, but they read more like textbooks instead of, you know, here's how to do it, step one, two, and three. So it's really, and then obviously bringing that community together. There's Facebook groups for people that are doing the Burr method. There's Facebook groups for people that are landlords or short-term rental owners. But every Facebook group that I joined before I started this one about private lending or hard money lending was a place for scams and spam. So I wanted to create something that was educational and networking based. We do monthly networking events so other private lenders can talk to other, you know, basically sit down and talk shop with other private lenders. You know, what are you doing? What are you seeing in your market? What do you do about this? I have a question about that. You know, how would you evaluate this property or this borrower? So it's really been through the group. Nice. No, that's great advice. And if you're a passive investor, I would encourage you to look it up. No doubt about it. I mean, education is just key, right? When you're thinking through investing. What about the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I would say it's my willingness to kind of take the next step. Yeah, don't always know what the next like five or six steps are going to be, but I know what I can take the next step. And then it's those small incremental changes that over time become exponential. So a year from, you know, a year ago, I had no idea what I would be doing this year, you know, sitting here today. But it's those little small daily, you know, a lot of people see those like closing photos on Facebook that what I call Instagram moments, you know, people sitting down at the closing table, signing their name for these big multifamily properties or whatever they're buying. 
and they don't realize that it actually took thousands of little decisions and little actions leading up to that Instagram moment that are probably more important than sitting there at the closing table signing documents because those little changes actually offered the opportunity to sit at the closing table and sign those documents. That's one of the many bad things about social media, right? You just see the smiles, right? You don't, you don't see the, the sweat and the tears. No doubt about it. Alec, what about, uh, how do you like to give back? I'm mostly with education because I really, really want to have people be educated. I think our school system really does us no favors in financial education. They don't really teach you, you know, entrepreneurial skills. They don't teach you anything about finance, about personal finance. So a lot of people, like I mentioned, just don't even know this is even an option, you know, that they could invest potentially like this. You know, if they think investing at all, they generally think like, oh, I'm going to open an account and buy stocks. That's what most people's thought of investing is. And even then, they rarely will read any of the annual reports or anything. They'll just say, oh, you know, this particular critic likes this stock and think it's going up. Let's buy it. You know, or I drink Coca-Cola. So let me buy some Coca-Cola stock. So I really want to say it's education. I mean, that's what people really need in order to make decisions for their life. Awesome. Well, Alex, it's been a pleasure to get to speak with you again. Personally, get to hear about your business and congratulations on just making it happen, you know, even through hard money lending and and really explain to us and listeners what hard money lending is and that many aspects of that versus syndication, which many of the investors need to know about and understand it could be a great opportunity for many uh, of the investors that are listening. But congratulations again on your success. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn. So you can send me a message on LinkedIn. The Facebook group is called Private Lending Lessons. So feel free to join the Facebook group. You can send me a message on Facebook. I'm in that group all the time. So feel free to reach out. I'm happy to jump on a Zoom call and just talk to people and network with other people, You know, get to know other passive investors because I really like the idea of having that community with other passive investors so we can just compare notes, talk about things, talk about strategy. I think it's a great opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.